everybody, Cheryl Ackeson here. Welcome to another edition of the Cheryl Ackeson podcast on justthenews.com. I hope you will check out all of the Just the News podcasts. You can go to justthenews.com and see the list of them on the homepage. Today I have an interview with a fascinating and often censored and smeared natural health doctor, Joseph Mercola, who has a new book I know you'll be interested in, The Truth About COVID-19. Not long ago, a book about COVID-19, or really most any topic that you can think of, would be welcomed into the information landscape. I mean, whether people agree or disagree, such a book, such information, would be added to the body of knowledge available. Today, though, as you know, powerful interests are working very hard to control information that they don't want you to see. They don't even want you to know about it, lest you read it or hear about it, and it contradicts the narrative that their interests want to be furthered. Dr. Joseph Mercola knows about this firsthand. As a natural health expert who bucks many traditional establishment medical trends, he's been subjected to smears and censorship. Here he is speaking with me about his new book and a lot more. Joining me today is Dr. Joseph Mercola, He has a new book coming out that I know a lot of his fans are going to be interested in reading, The Truth About COVID-19. And by the way, when I've done articles and podcasts on almost anything related to COVID-19 and kind of getting at the bottom of things, they've really been popular. So I know people are anxious to hear what you have to say. Welcome and thank you for joining me. Well, thanks for having me on to help share the information we've compiled. And why wouldn't they be interested? It's just essentially uh, covering just about every aspect of their existence for the last year. So of course, they're going to want to know what's the truth behind this and why is this all happening? Well, I know your your subtitle is Exposing the Great Reset, Lockdowns, Vaccine Passports, and the New Normal. So I thought- Yes, the new normal. Yeah, get like a little paragraph of an overview of the book then I'd like to back up and go into some of your background because I know people will be watching this. There are still a few people who may not have heard about you and know what you're all about. So I'd like to cover some of that and then we'll get back to detail. Okay, well, let's just do the background first. So I'm a family medicine physician, have been since 1982. So it's coming up on nearly 40 years, 50 years. It's a long, 40 years, I think. So uh, the, uh, and I've, treated tens of thousands of patients, but then my focus is on natural medicine to really get to the foundational uh, crux of what causes disease and realized that uh, late 90s that um, you're constrained. I mean, you can only reach so many people. And one of my other passions, aside from health and wellness, is technology. And uh, I took my first computer class in 1968. And I'm not bragging, but that's an important part of the, the puzzle because the book is all about the expansion of this. And when I last interviewed you for your book, Slanted, I started to hint at some of the, some of the solutions and, and the technology component is going to be key. And the technology is why this is being implemented, I believe. So um, anyway, I merged my passion with health and technology and started a website before Google started theirs. And uh, it's grown to be the most visited natural health site in the world and has been despite us being censored and removed from Google's search engine and all the major, most all the major um, 
social media platforms. What is so the website address? It's my last name, Mercola.com. And what right. made you, do you think, different than some other physicians? When you said you looked at the natural route, I mm -hmm. think a lot of doctors are taught in med school, you know, in courses that are sponsored by pharmaceutical companies and colleges that take money from them to really lean heavy on the prescription mm -hmm. solutions versus yeah. natural remedies. What made you different? Well, let me take it a step back. The, the, uh, wasn't, wouldn't it have been necessary if uh, prior, or in 1910, literally 110 years ago, um, Rockefeller and Carnegie got together and, and, and uh, had this report um, which escapes me right now, but it was 1910, I forget it. But it, it really changed the whole curriculum of the medical schools. And Rockefeller, of course, was the oil guy and actually lived and died just a few blocks from where I'm right, right now. I mean, this is a delightful place. I live in Florida. So, uh, but nevertheless, his passion was optimizing wealth uh, and his strategy was with oil. And one of the derivatives of oil is pharmaceuticals. So that he, he had a... Uh, a an agenda of really changing the curriculum of all the schools and it's essentially excluded almost every single natural therapy since 1910 from the medical school. So the, the, that's the backstory. And the reason why most physicians are reluctant to explore this, first of all, they're not taught. Uh, and they, they're, they're led to believe by implication that the fundamental cause of all disease is the lack of the appropriate prescription. And, you know, I've been through, through medical school. I know what the drill is. And essentially you're taught to memorize the appropriate drug for a list of disease and symptoms. So they're great at diagnosing and they're wonderful at treating acute illnesses uh, or acute traumas, but they don't really address it. And it's not because they're stupid or foolish or they have an, a hidden agenda. They don't. Physicians are truly, it, when they go into school, they truly want to help. But the problem is that they get propagandize and brainwash through the whole curriculum. And then once they have the courage, and it does take enormous courage to step out of that mold, because you are not only criticized by your colleagues, but you run the risk of having your license not only reprimanded or even removed, it has happened to so many of us, because you're opposing the uh, standard of care, which is essentially focused on this uh, pharmaceutical paradigm. To be clear, you are not anti-medicine, are you? You're not a guy Heck who no. never take medicine for any reason. No way. That. It's a, it's an incredibly powerful tool. I think it's the most of them are overused. I think 90 to 95% of them should be used, especially for treating chronic conditions where they're only masking them. They're symptomatic band-aids, nothing more. And by failing to address the underlying foundational cause, that continues to progress, they're going to die of not only that disease, or but more likely something else that's not addressed. Like if you're treating high blood pressure and you don't treat the insulin resistance, you might die from cancer or diabetes, the same situation. So, you know, that, so anyone who resists that is criticized uh, and discredited frequently, you know, and we see this routinely. How does your background and your philosophy and your experience weigh in to this current coronavirus crisis and what we've seen? Well, for over two decades is when I started my site and focus in probably closer to three decades now on natural medicine. Uh, I, my, it was really trying to figure out what is causing the problem. And this is the classic illustration of this, uh, this, this epidemic, because there, the, there is no official governmental or public health authority that is recommending anything close 
to addressing the fundamental challenges in the immune system that allow someone to get sick and die from this illness. Uh, which, but part of the, the propaganda is that these the statistics are radically inflated. And if you look at the deaths from COVID, you'll find that the total number of deaths were not different in 2019 and 2020. They were the same. Essentially what happened, I know clearly people, I'm not saying people did not die from COVID. They did, clearly they did. But many of them were simply reclassified and they were, would have been dying from flu. And there were some that weren't, of course. But the total number of deaths is, is, and I think the number is over 500 deaths in the US so far. And if that was just COVID and it was an, an 500,000, right? Perfect. Yeah, an additional 500,000, then that's a serious issue, but it wasn't. The total death rate didn't increase. So that's that's a that's a big propaganda, and there's a lot of reasons for that because of of a manipulation of the results of the PCR test, which was the standard test used for, for doing this, and uh, and and essentially uh, 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 validating not validating but but endorsing and recommending a strategy of categorizing someone with the illness as anyone anyone who dies who had a positive COVID test died from COVID. 100%. If you had a positive COVID test and you were involved in a motorcycle crash, you died from COVID. Well, and people may laugh, but that is literally true. It is true. We heard about and we spoke to a medical examiner from Colorado who talked of two gunshot deaths. I believe one was a murder and one was a suicide. And those were classified as COVID deaths. And she said she's heard from many other medical examiners who are saying much the same. I wish there was a way for us to be able to examine all of the death certificates mm -hmm. and separate the ones that were caused by COVID. And as you say, undoubtedly there were many, but mm -hmm. from the ones who might also have, maybe it just hastened a death and somebody who was close to death or exploited something or was entirely perhaps unrelated. And I think we'd have a different picture of mm -hmm. what the impact of this epidemic has really been. Absolutely, absolutely. And then the other component is the false negatives or false positives, I'm sorry, of the, the PCR test. And the most people by now are probably familiar with it. And it's a, a wonderful test that was introduced by Kerry Mullis and he discovered it in the 80s, but it's never designed for really, actually right when the AIDS epidemic was happening. Uh, and essentially it amplifies or exp exponentially increases the amount of material that's being focused on. So, uh, and, and every time it does it, it's called a cycle. And the cycle threshold is a number of cycles that are determined to be significant to diagnose the disease. And they just crank this cycle threshold all the way up to 35 or 40 when it should have been closer to 25. So that essentially turns almost everything positive. So you have this massive amount of false positives that people are labeled incorrectly and, and essentially dying from completely different illnesses and labeled as a COVID death. So it's just, it's just a, uh, a, a, a misinterpretation of the data, which is- Didn't, which the pu is didn't public health officials who make these arbitrary determinations, but they would say based on science about cycles, as you just said, didn't public health officials change that after President Biden was elected? And they, they did. They said, Actually, the same day he was inaugurated, that's when they change it. Coincidence or not? You make the decision. And the net impact of that was to make it where someone who would have looked as though they tested positive the day before or six months before if they had the same test would now be considered a negative? 
Yes, that's correct. Because it wasn't amplified more times from 25 to 35 or 40 when you amplify, because it's an exponential increase. Well, it would, uh, it would also be interesting to go back with all of the positive cases. I'm sure there's a way to do this if there were the will to do it, but to go back to the numbers we oh, had and adjust there is, off, there the is no level, off the new level of cycles or the new standard, how many cases we really had under today's standard versus what they said we had. Yeah, there is no will to do it because it's all part of an agenda. Many people call this the pandemic, and I believe it was, and there's a lot of evidence to support that. Uh, the primary one is the, the um, uh, Agenda 2000, or 20, 2010, I think it was, uh, that was in October held at Johns Hopkins in conjunction with the World Economic Forum and Bill Gates Foundation, imagine that. And it was six weeks before the pandemic, six, maybe 10 weeks. It, it was like in October. And obviously people remember what happened. I think it was in December that it first became so That would have been, that, you said 2010, but that would have been 2019 or 20. No, no, that's what they called it. Or tw oh. I, I think it may, at what, that wasn't the year. It was in 2019 they had it. But okay. the, the agenda 21 or tw I forget the specific number, but it's agenda something. And whatever number they heard, but it was at Johns Hopkins in October, 2019. And it was essentially an exercise of a pandemic that was initiated by the coronavirus. But you're not suggesting, or are you, that there are Americans and companies and people that created and released this to us? Well, I, I don't know if it was intentionally released, but it appears that this virus was, was in fact engineered with the, and there's plenty of evidence for this. Uh, with gain of function uh, changes uh, and may have been intentionally, no one knows if it was intentionally released or was it accidentally released, but there's a, obviously it came from Wuhan and there is a um, bio level safety factor or bio level four facility there. There's not that many in China. There's a lot more in the United States, but very close to where the virus was found. So uh, is it a coincidence or is it not? You make well, the I will add a quick point to that. Um, and I'll be writing about this soon. But I've learned by talking with scientists, some of whom are directly involved in trying to figure out the origin, mm -hmm. that they have quietly, without much reporting on this, although there's been a bit, concluded that it did come from the Wuhan lab. So the government believes that and thinks that and has thought that for some time, but they just never issued a press release or talked about it publicly. And it seems like reporters quit asking. But um, oh, yeah, I'll write more about that in the near future. So is this yeah, the, the sort of thing that you're talking about in the book? You're trying to sort of peel back mm -hmm. the layers on fact versus fiction, which is, as you know, in this propaganda landscape, it's almost like the opposite of what you want to tell is what the public's being told. And then your truth is being called a lie or debunked conspiracy theory. Mm -hmm. It must be very confusing for people to understand. You know, they don't, most people don't think public health officials would not tell them the truth. So how should people view all of this and sort through it? Well, I think it's to understand the answer to that question, you have to understand the process and why was this, why, you know, we, there's evidence that it was, was a, a planned, uh, but why and how, so how could they do this? Well, as I said earlier in the introduction that my passion, my true, one of my true passions is life is technology. I don't know how or why, but it just, just is, you know, and uh, I've been, I was in, First on the internet in the 1970s. That's a long time ago. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, I actually went uh, after college. I, I didn't get into medical school, so I had a job with the Oregon Preservation 
for the University of Illinois. And, and uh, my job was to, one of the responsibilities was to not only preserve the organs, but uh, identify recipients in, uh, for those organs. And I realized that the internet was an amazing tool and I could tie into networks, except the, the University of Illinois didn't have a formal network, but their IT department did. So I just used an acoustic coupler and went in there and I was able to figure that out. So I've, I've been passionate about this for a long time. And when the when the internet, the World Wide Web was this revision of the internet uh, that made it much easier because it had graphical user interface came in the early to mid nineties. I think it was developed in the early nineties, but it didn't become popular until we had the first web browser, which was Mozilla back in 94, 95. And then I started my site in 97 uh, because I knew this would change the world. That the, the internet is without a doubt, in my mind, at least the most amazing innovation in the history of, of, of uh, human race. And I think there's others that are coming that are even better. But right now that stands that it is. Unfortunately, and for the first decade or two decades, two decades essentially, it was great. It wasn't censored. It, it was a free, just like the, the inventors decided it to be. But then eventually these elites came in and they took over. And why is this important to know? Because Google is really the spearhead of this. They are the biggest monopoly in the entire world. Uh, they have incredible lobbying capacity and have essentially uh, abolished any hope or consideration of uh, any federal regulatory agent, agency ever coming against them, especially the U.S. Department of Justice. This is never going to happen because they, they, they essentially control it. Uh, and there's other, the European Union has come against them where they have a little less control. Uh, but not the United States. So why is this important to know? Because they have enormous capacity to capture and surveil the, uh, virtually everyone. 92%, 92% of the searches done in the world on search engines is through Google. All Every bit, bit of that data is stored permanently on their servers. And that, that's just the search engine. That doesn't include their browsers, their Android operating system. Uh, and other devices. And uh, so th that problem, and YouTube, which also they own. So they're compiling all this information. We say, well, I've got nothing. I don't do anything wrong. I have nothing to hide. What does it matter? Well, it matters quite a bit because the more information they have, the more they can predict your behavior and they can actually manipulate and change your behavior. And there is a... Uh, a, a, a sociologist, uh, Robert Epstein out of Harvard, uh, and there's another Harvard uh, professor too, Soshana Zuboff, who's written the book Surveillance Capitalism, uh, that really go into this very deeply. And Epstein has is, 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 uh, testified before Congress on this issue of how Google manipulates elections. And literally, they're responsible for changing election results in about 25% of the countries in the world. Uh, they, just, they just change them. Be, just by distorting what's displayed when someone comes in because the internet is wonderful, but you have to have a, a key or a tool to access the information. And if, and if they have the ability to censor and everyone knows they're censoring, I mean, it's not a mystery. No one is gonna deny the censorship that's going on. So they're censoring for a reason. They're censoring, which is a form of technocracy control. And that's really why this has been, this whole epidemic I believe has been engineered is to have technocrats, these are technical people like physicians, like Fauci, uh, like Bill Gates to implement their idea of what is right and not the government. The government is out of the picture. It's a far more efficient way to do this. Think about any, it, it's almost impossible for any government ever to shut down the entire world's economy like they just did with this COVID epidemic. There's gotta be some other level and they're doing it with this technocratic excuse, or not excuse, but there's the, the, that's behind this whole, whole 
whole series of uh, events that is really resulting in the loss of our personal freedoms and liberties. And, and toward and what I, end do you, do you suspect? Is it for financial gain or power that, or what? That, 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 yes, both of those. It's, it's obvious and it's it's not a mystery. Klaus Schwab, the the head of the the Davos group and the, the World Economic Forum has written a book on this. It's called The Great Reset. It's, they, they're not hiding their agenda. And the, the transfer of wealth has been enormous. The, the billionaires have, have uh, I think, acquired a few more trillion dollars, which doesn't sound like a lot when the government's printing trillions, you know, but it is a lot of money. Trillions of dollars is a lot of money. Uh, and the, 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 they're, they're printing all this money, and as a result, inflation is coming up. And inflation is the hidden tax. Essentially, it, it, it's robbing the, 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 the lower classes of their money and their, their resources because they have to pay more. They don't pay it through an increased check they write to the IRS, but they pay it in more that they have to pay for items they need at the store. So it's interesting how your book and coronavirus and this whole discussion leads to the thing that's happening that people, as you say, know with censorship Mm -hmm. as deployed by big tech and these other issues, how they dovetail together, at least in your mind. And I assume that you explain all this in great detail with your evidence in the truth mm -hmm. about COVID-19. Yeah. Can I ask you one more question? Sure, as sure. Wrap up. It's a broader question about when you started getting or you felt you started getting smeared and controversialized because those of us who listen to viewpoints, report information or scientists who produce studies that are off these narratives of powerful interests. We know what happens. These organized interests have a, a lot of different ways to go after you. But when did you notice that that really was getting deployed against you big time? Well, probably at least a, do a dozen years ago or so. Uh, uh, it came most significantly, I think, uh, a year and a half, two years ago when 2018, I think Google took us out of the search engine. And uh, I have a medical license in Illinois and uh, wrote, was quite vehemently opposed to the use of mammography as an effective tool, screening tool for breast cancer. Uh, and as a result of not selling anything, just saying that I was disciplined by the state medical board and they tried to take my license away, but we sued them in the state Supreme Court and, and won. So, because you can't do it, it's freedom of speech, but they're, they're, they're abolishing our freedom of speech under the guise of the greater good. You know, it's just, I mean, that, that First Amendment is such an important tool. And when that is gone, we've lost a lot and they're taking it away from us. And that is really a challenge. And so fortunately, I don't want to be a Debbie Doomer, Doom and Gloom. There are many simple, useful things you can do. Uh, and I describe them in my book, uh, but they're simple things to understanding this and to not be too distressed. Because I can tell you, and we talked about this in the, when I interviewed you, that there are, there is no doubt in my mind, we are going to have a solution. I am working with some of the brightest technical people in the world, I promise you, in the world who are on this. The solutions are coming. We will have a decentralized internet. We will have a workaround to the censorship. They will not control us. You just have to hang in there. You have to know and understand that the most much of the truth is being censored. Yes, there's still good stuff out there and you can find it if it's unrelated to what their agenda is. But if you really want the, the, the truth on, on important issues to your health, you're not going to find it anymore. It's, it's being buried. But, but don't despair because there are solutions coming. It's not going to be next month or even next year. It's going to take a while because these are profound changes that need to be implemented, but they are coming.
Well, I like the sense of optimism, and I hope people will check out your book, The Truth About COVID-19, Exposing the Great Reset, Lockdowns, Vaccine Passports, and the New Normal, coming out the third week of April. It can be pre-ordered now. So thank you so much for sharing it with us. All right. Well, thank you. Back with more in just a moment. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. I'm trying to shed light on and give voice to various viewpoints, scientific studies, factual information, opinions that others are trying very hard to censor. Whether I agree with it or not, the information that I'm talking about, that's not what's important. It's important, I think, to protect the free flow of information in America before it's too late. And here's how we can defeat information control, in my view. Every time there is a fake fact check debunking something that may actually be true, or every time you hear that somebody is deplatformed or censored or a book is taken off a certain platform, make it your mission to find out more about it, to read it, to get the information, to give attention to the very thing that they don't want you to see. In that way, if we start seeing these efforts, probably as we should, these efforts to censor stuff is a way for us to be pointed toward the very things we ought to be looking at and seeing and hearing and investigating and thinking about, that's our cue when they try to get us to not see something. If we use it that way, it defeats their whole purpose. And I think that's one way we can fight back against this trend. And if that interests you, you might want to go to my website, CherylAckison.com, and click the Censored tab at the top. I'm adding lists of censored people, topics, and studies, whether left or right or nonpartisan, whether I agree with them or not. Again, that's not the point. I think we need to protect the information landscape and make sure that we don't relinquish what is ours, relinquish control of our information to other people who have their own vested interests in mind, even though they say they're doing it on our behalf, something I certainly didn't ask them to do on my behalf. Anyway, check out justthenews.com, and don't forget to subscribe to the Cheryl Atkinson podcast. Check out my other podcast, Full Measure After Hours, uh, this Sunday and next Sunday, March 7th and 14th. I have a two-part investigation from the border, what's really going on on the southern border, despite what you're hearing, often from reporters and people who have never been there. I went to the border, as I often do, and just got the facts from the people on the ground. They say we are in a border crisis right now, and they have the numbers to prove it. Some pretty shocking information. And don't forget to check out my book, Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism. It talks about a lot of these themes, what social media is doing, what big tech's doing, and why, who's behind it, who's convinced them to do it. And you can read the reviews to Slanted on Amazon. That might help convince you that there is information there that you need. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself.